Good morning, Northwoods. My name's Hope. I'm the online and communications pastor here. And I'm Jacob. I'm the worship leader at our Canton campus. And we are so excited that you decided to spend this Sunday with us. If it's your first time at Northwoods, we want to say, hey, and we're so glad that you're here. If you would, go ahead and take your phone out right now and text new to the number on your screen. And that will actually put you in contact with one of the pastors on our team. We'd love to get to know you and be able to answer any questions you might have. And while you have your phone out, don't forget to fill out the connection card this morning in the Northwoods mobile app and just get more information about what's happening around the church. You can request prayer or again, reach out to our staff and ask us any questions, leave some comments. We would love to connect with you today. Yeah, and so the next series that we're going to be going into yeah. is called When to Stop Praying. <laughs> and that might sound really weird. Yeah, because it does. <laughs> as a church, we're called to pray. But yeah. what John is going to be talking about in this series is when is it the right time to stop praying and to take action? Yeah. And so I think that's going to be something that I'm really looking forward to because there's certain times that I can kind of make up an excuse like, oh, yeah, I'll pray about that. But I really need to take steps to be in obedience to the Lord. So... It'll be a really cool series to do. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm with you on that. I think it's going to be a great series that we're kicking off today. And also, I don't want to give you too much information because John is going to share about this today. But we have a really cool series coming up after Easter. So be sure that you pay attention. John has a special announcement for us about that this morning. Yeah, so if you're joining us online right now, I just want to invite you to join the chat. So the chat is a really awesome tool that we have with Northwoods Online where you can just join other people who are watching online and you can talk to them about what you're thinking. And then also, if if you have any prayer requests, we have a, a prayer button that you can hit. Yeah. And there's someone there in the chat that will pray with you right there on the spot. And that's a really, really awesome tool. Yeah, for sure. We would love to be praying with you and love to get to know you this morning. And you know, we were talking about getting connected at the beginning. And I just want to talk about one other big way that you can get connected here at Northwoods. And that's actually through the four steps classes. Yeah. So maybe you're looking to just learn more about Northwoods, kind of get to know what are our beliefs and our values and whatnot. But also maybe you're asking those questions like, what's my purpose? What plan does God have for me? You know, am I, should I be serving at the church? Should I be in a small group at the church? What exactly does it look like to be living in community and living the life that God has for me? And those are all kind of the topics that are covered in the four steps classes. So I just want to invite you to check those out, especially if you never have. And also it's a great way to get connected into a serving role here at the church. And all of our ministries are always looking for volunteers Uh, to help us keep things going. (laughs) And so if you would like to volunteer, take those four steps classes and get connected in a serving role, get connected as a member, if that's something you're interested in, but really they're just great information. You're going to learn about the church. You're going to learn about yourself. And again, it's an awesome connecting point here at Northwoods. So again, we're so glad that you're here. We're ready to jump into service. So let's get ready to worship. In Genesis 28, we get a look into the life of Jacob. And at this point of his life, he's between running from his brother, who's become so infuriated and he's plotting to kill him. And Jacob's now on his way to the town where he would hopefully find his wife that his parents and the Lord would both approve of. But at this point in the story, he, he's just somewhere caught in the middle. Maybe some of you are there today. You know, between the recognizing the reality of our past versus the hope of our future. And Jacob is metaphorically here, but geographically, he's just out in the middle of the desert. 
and he lays his head down on what he realizes we'll have to substitute for his my pillow, a classic rock. And it says that uh, he falls asleep and the Lord meets him there in the middle. And then he wakes up and he says the words that we're going to get to sing this morning. Surely the Lord is in this place and I wasn't even aware of it. So this morning, maybe you can, some of you are in the middle. You, you, you've come to terms with your regrets of what's in the past or you're unsure about maybe what's going to happen in the future. But as Jacob said, I want to encourage you that the Lord is in this place. Amen? Is that good news to anybody? He's here in this place, and if He's here, that means we get to join in the song that's been sung for generations and generations and generations. And it's of His faithfulness. It's of His truth. And it's because He's here, all of this is for something. It's not for nothing. So this morning, as we sing, let's take on some fresh praise as we gain and we sing out in courage. He's here. Come on. There's an echoing in the spirit If you listen closely you'll hear it Oh what sounds broken shackles hit the floor There's a symphony in the making There's freedom here for the taking Oh what sounds broken people are sore Sound of your people singing. Give me your hearts. Let your praise be heard. Give me your hearts. Let your joy break out. As our voices
giants fall in this place today. I believe God's already done it for us. He's going to do it again. He's always victorious. Come on, let's sing. The weapon may be formed, but it won't prosper. When the darkness falls, it won't prevail. Cause the God I serve knows only how to triumph. And my God will never fail. Declare that, come on. Yeah, my God will never fail. Oh, I'm gonna see a victory. I'm gonna see a victory.
bless your name in this place You alone Oh Jesus I was a wretch I remember who I was I was lost I was blind I was running out of time Sin separated The breach was far too wide But from the far side of the chasm You had me in your sight And you made a way Across the great divide Left behind heaven's throne To build it here inside And there at the cross You paid the debt I owed Broke my chains, freed my soul For the first time I had hope
the darkness into glorious light. We thank you, Jesus. Church, would you thank him for his sacrifice? We give you praise and glory in this place. Jesus, we love you. We sing glory to His name. Glory to His name. There to my heart was the blood applied. Been praise in this place today. Yeah. Yeah, as we just continue in, a, in our worship this morning, Lord, we just ask that you will be with us in our service, God. Hear our praises and may your name be glorified in this place. God, we thank you for the blood. We thank you for the power of what you did on the cross, Lord. And God, we thank you for meeting us now being with us as we learn and grow in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, before you're seated, would you look at somebody and say, you know what? Today is a good day to grow. I'm telling you what, I'm ready to grow this morning. I woke up and I looked at that sunshine and I thought, oh, it is a beautiful day outside. Hey guys, my name is Kurt, and I am so happy that you have decided to join us from wherever you are joining us, whether you are on, on, uh, online, whether you're one of our campuses, right here in the room. Welcome. We are glad that you have chosen to be with us here today at Northwoods. Hey, if you are new here today, I would encourage you to take out your phone and text the word new to the number that you see on the screen. Or visit our New Here kiosk after the service and see about how Northwoods can help serve you and your family. Guys, it's February, love is in the air, and that means that we've got an opportunity to invest in marriages. And so I want to invite you, we've got an upcoming marriage class called Vertical Marriage. Kicks off February 23rd on Thursday night from 6.30 to 8. It is going to be an excellent opportunity for you to, to meet some other couples, to, to spend some time investing in your own marriage. And you know what? Maybe you're going to learn a few things along the way, because let's be honest, marriage is hard work sometimes, and we can all use a little time to grow in that regard. So I'd invite you to check that out online, get registered for that event. Um, if if you have an, uh, a desire to serve on our deliverance prayer ministry, we have the Setting Captives Free Conference coming. It's on Friday night, February 24th, and Saturday, February 
25th. And over that Friday night and Saturday teaching are going to be some incredible opportunities to do a deeper dive into, into levels of freedom in your own life. Maybe there's some life-controlling issues. Maybe there are some things that you just want to get some deeper knowledge and understanding of that freedom in your life. I would invite you to check out the Setting Captives Free Conference. Go online, get registered for it right away. It's going to be an incredible opportunity for you. Well, we got one more thing I'd like to invite you to. It's coming right around the corner in October. Now, I know October is going to show up before you know it because that's just kind of how things work around here, right? But I want to invite you to take a personal tour of the Holy Land with Pastor Cal. Check out the screens. your sin and take you to heaven. He wants to set you free now. So you're walking with a heart that's no longer broken. And so now you're not in chain to sin anymore. He read that here. He preached that here, sat down and said, this is fulfilled for you. It's going to be incredible. I'll tell you, once you visit the Holy Land, you will never read scripture the same again. So why am I telling you about this now when the trip's not until October? Because we've got an informational meeting coming up on Sunday, February 26th at 10.30 a.m. So whether you want to go on the trip or you just want to get some information about it, I invite you to get online, find out that information, and join that meeting on February 26th at 10.30 a.m. Well, like I said, you can find all of this information on our Northwoods app. While you got that app open, go ahead and fill out the connection card. Let us know you're here and let us know how we can be praying for you. And that is also another opportunity while you're in the connection card or on the uh, Northwoods app. It's a great place where you can uh, give. You can also text to give through the church. You can give in the boxes you find in the back of the sanctuary. However you choose to give, however God directs you, please know that it is through your faithful giving is what fuels the ministries that we're able to do here at Northwoods. And so we are appreciative and so grateful for your continued faithful and generous giving. Well, guys, that's all I've got for you this morning. Nice and easy, pretty simple. Would you do me a favor, direct your attention to the screens as we get ready for Pastor John to kick off a brand new series. Stop praying. A phrase we rarely, if ever, hear. Now, I don't mean to be cavalier. We should be people on our knees. But what happens when God says, stop, please? There's a time for prayer, but also for action. In fact, this is where life gains traction. When we stop using prayer as a cop-out and start acting in faith and step out. God told Moses, stop crying and move ahead. We all know what happened next at the sea they call red. To Joshua, he said, stop lying on your face. Get up and deal with the sin in this place. There's nothing wrong with bowing your head, but first, make sure you're doing what God already said. You see, there's no time for games or for playing when God says, stop praying. 
Uh, good morning, Northwoods. Great to see all of you. Hope you're enjoying that sunshine out there. I want to welcome those of you joining us online. Great to have you with us this Sunday. I want to welcome you to week one of this three-week series we're starting titled When to Stop Praying. And I've been looking forward to this series, and we're going to get into that in just a minute. In a minute. But before we get going, I want to chat with you just briefly about another series we will be beginning post-Easter. You say post-Easter. Why are we talking about that today? Because if I'm going to have anything to preach on in that series, I need your help in the weeks leading up to it. How so? Well, beginning post-Easter, we're going to be launching a series titled You Asked For It, meaning I'm going to preach on the questions that you submit about God, life, or culture. So for that series, you control the topics that I will preach on. It's a little bit, not I wouldn't say scary, but a little bit like, hmm, I don't have much control anymore for this one. But I'm excited about it. And so starting today over the next four weeks, you will be able to submit questions via text. And the number's coming up on the screen now. I want you to take a picture of it, write it down. We'll leave it up there for a minute or two. Any question you have, you submit it, you text it to that number. Now, again, this is not, uh, it's, it's completely anonymous. We're not trying to get information from you. You send a text, it'll just say, thanks for your submitting your question. So again, no question is a bad question. It's completely anonymous. You don't need to put your name with it unless for some reason you would like to. So for the next four weeks, you will be able to submit your questions via text to that number on the screen, and we'll talk about it every week. Then there will be a four-week period after that of voting on the submitted questions, and the top five vote-getting questions will be revealed on Easter Sunday, and then we'll start the week afterward. You know, I had to laugh because I heard from a pastor who has done this in his church before, and he was talking to pastors, and he said, you know, if you do a series like this, you can expect to get three types of questions. He said, you can expect to get questions about sex, questions about the end times, and then questions about whether there will be sex in the end times. <laughs> so listen, if those are your questions, that's okay, send them in. But also recognize that it can be any question. Because you know, while the Bible wasn't written to be merely a book of answers, I do hold to the conviction that if you dig deep enough into God's word, the Bible can speak to any question that we might have. So I want you to be thinking about what are those questions and, and, and send them in. So that's for the upcoming series post-Easter. Now to be clear, uh, not, not for the series at hand today, uh, like I said, we're starting a new series titled uh, When to Stop Praying. And this, uh, I came across last year an article titled, When God Says Stop Praying. And it really kind of, uh, you know, stirred my interest because I'm like, really, is that something God would actually say? Like, isn't prayer suitable for any and every situation? Well, as I, as I looked into this, I found that there are, in fact, instances in the Bible where God told people to stop praying. In fact, he, he told people, quit crying out to me. 
at times. Now, to be clear, I want you to hear me throughout this series. We are not belittling prayer. That is not my intent. The Bible constantly stresses the value of prayer. It's not something we should neglect. And we place a high value on prayer here at Northwoods. But on certain occasions, it is true that we can use prayer as a substitute for doing what God is asking us to do. So you understand, God wants to partner with us, but he will not do our part for us. Reminds me of a a young lady I heard who was working down in the nursery at a church, and so she's working down with the, the infants, and she had to go and change a diaper, and man, she got a hold of a really bad one. And I tell you what, I don't mind changing diapers but I, I can't stand the bad ones. Like you ever been there? It's just like, oh, nuh-uh. Call somebody else for this one. Call in reinforcements. So she got, a, she got a hold of a really bad one. And so she's there. She's holding her breath as she's changing this thing. And as she's changing this diaper, she looked up to the Lord and said, Lord, when I get married and have kids of my own, uh, will you change their diapers for me? And she said in a minute, she got a thought from the Lord, immediately came toward and the Lord said, I am the Lord, I change not. (laughs) Here's the point. He ain't gonna do your part. There are some things the Lord asks you and I to do that no amount of prayer can substitute for. So in this short three-week series, we're gonna look at a few different scenarios in the Bible when God in essence said, stop praying. So I'm gonna build our time today around a series of questions. And so here's the first question we need to look at this morning. It's question number one. In what scenario should we stop praying? Now there are ever times, what, like when should we stop praying? And to answer this question, we're gonna to turn to Matthew chapter five. So if you have your Bible and you wanna follow along this morning, that's where we're gonna be. And the portion of scripture that we're going to look at falls within Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. Okay, the Sermon on the Mount is in a couple different places in the Bible, but in Matthew, it's Matthew chapter 5 through 7. And in this section of his teaching that we're going to look at, Jesus is speaking about anger. And he goes on to say in verses 23 through 24, he uses kind of an illustration. He says, therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar... And there remember that your brother or sister, now again, that doesn't just mean my brother and sister like I'm related to in my family. This can apply to, you know, a brother or sister in Christ or just a neighbor, anyone I'm connected with. If you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First, go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. So understand, Jesus is using an illustration that his hearers would have readily understood. But since we're reading this 2,000 years later, sometimes we gotta kinda work to, to go back and try to put ourselves in their shoes. So let's take a moment here and make sure we understand what he's talking about here. Most listening to Jesus at this time would have been Jews who were still offering sacrifices at the temple. And normally the sacrifice would have been one of five animals, either an oxen, sheep, goat, turtle dove, or pigeon. 
So I like to think of it, if you walk up into the temple in those days, it smelled just, you know, like barbecue 24 seven. It's getting close to lunch and I'm hungry for barbecue. So other times they made offerings consisting of wheat, barley, olive oil, etc. And the sacrifices that they brought could be brought for various reasons. So some sacrifices were brought kind of for uh, as obligatory reasons because maybe it was for ritual purification or sin. There were other sacrifices that were brought and they were voluntary, meaning they were just a sacrifice as a way of drawing near to the Lord, expressing devotion, thanksgiving. So Jesus is saying, basically, let's imagine you're going to the temple to offer your gift. And you're offering your gift as a way of wanting to draw near to God. So here you are on the way to the temple and you're gonna make a sacrifice. And, and the whole way there, you're praying, Lord, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm bringing this sacrifice, but listen, I wanna, I wanna be, this is my way of expressing devotion to you. I wanna be closer to you. I wanna go deeper with you. So you're coming up to the temple. Here you are at the temple. You got your sacrifice and it's your heart's cry to go deeper with the Lord. And as you approach the court of priests, because the priests were the one who would actually offer the sacrifice for you, you're getting ready to hand over your sacrifice. And there you remember that you and your neighbor, Tom, are not on speaking terms. So what are you to do? Well, look back at the verse. It says, if you're offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. And then it says, first, go and be reconciled. Might wanna circle, underline, highlight that word first. First, meaning before you do anything else, before you offer that sacrifice, oh, I know it's been a journey getting to the temple and there's all kinds of people and now you're finally up here, but before you do this, before you do anything else, first, go and be reconciled. Leave your gift and go search for the person and do everything in your power to get the matter straightened out. In other words, Jesus is saying to them, don't fall into the trap of believing that your prayer, your offering, your sacrifice can be a substitute for you going and being reconciled with said person. Now, we hear that and say, okay, okay, all right, that makes, you know, I get it, makes sense for them. But how does that apply to us today? Because we're not, you know, we're not walking around sacrificing animals, temple, anything like that. So what does this mean for us? Well, true, we aren't, you know, you aren't, you aren't coming here sacrificing animals, but we still offer sacrifices. How so? Hebrews says, through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly profess his name. And do not forget to do good and to share with others, for with such sacrifices, God is pleased. So we offer sacrifices through our praise, our good works, sharing with others. The book of Romans talks about offering ourselves as a living sacrifice to God, to God. Our whole life is to be lived in sacrifice to him. And this certainly includes prayer as well. So let's bring it into the present day then. 
Let's say you showed up to church today and you came to get your prayer on. You came to get your praise on. Woo! I'm here to praise, Lord. And here you are. You show up and you remember, oh, wait, there's someone that you're in conflict with that you need to go and make things right. I want you to hear this is what the Lord would say to you today. This, what we're doing right now, again, this is a great thing. Prayer, worship, all those things, gathering with the Lord's people, all great things. We should do those things. But what's happening right now is not a substitute for you going and making it right with the person who you're in conflict with. It reminds me of what the prophet Samuel said to King Saul when King Saul failed to obey the Lord's command but somehow thought, well, if I just sacrifice enough, it'll be all good in the Lord's eyes. Look what Samuel said to him. He said in 1 Samuel 15, does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice and to heed is better than the fat of rams. What's he saying? No amount of sacrifice can substitute for obeying God. Now hear me, again, I'm not saying that there's nothing wrong with prayer, praise, doing good, sharing with others. Those are all great things. We should do those things. But again, they are not to be substituted for obeying God's command to go and be reconciled with those who maybe we're in conflict with. I love what the Welsh minister, Martin Lloyd-Jones said about Jesus' teaching on this issue in his classic studies in the Sermon on the Mount. He said, according to the Lord, this matter is so vital that you must even interrupt your prayers, as it were, even keep God waiting and go and put it right. Because you see, if we're not right with people, we're ultimately not right with God. Another way of saying it, and I spent a lot of time trying to get this one line right this week, Another way of saying it would be that when um, an offense between us and others constructs a fence between us and God. Now, you might want to write that one down because I worked really hard on that one this week. An offense between us and others constructs a fence between us and God. If you get nothing else, I want you to remember that today. So here's the question we just talked about. In, in what scenario should we stop praying? Well, here's the answer. We should stop praying when we're substituting prayer for reconciliation. We should stop praying when we're substituting prayer for reconciliation. Okay, now that we have that question answered, I think if you look at this passage, there's a few other questions that inevitably arise as you work your way through it. So here's the next question we need to wrestle with. God tells us to go. We're not, we're not to substitute prayer for reconciliation, but here's the next question. Are we responsible for rectifying every grudge, offense, anger, and disagreement others have with us? No, do we stop worshiping as long as there are people who don't like us and disagree with us? Why don't you look back at what Jesus said? He said, again, if you're offering your gift at the altar, 
and there remember, and here's kind of the phrase, that your brother or sister has something against you. So at first glance, it could be taken like, it kind of seems that if someone has something against us, no matter what it is and why it's there, it's our responsibility to go and be reconciled. But is this what Jesus is saying? Well, I don't believe so. And let me give you some evidence as to why. Exhibit A, we could say, is the life of Jesus. Just think about the life of Jesus. Jesus spoke the truth, was perfect, lived a sinless life, and yet many in Israel took great offense at him to the point where there were many who wanted to kill him. And, and they did. He was crucified. And if it were up to, G- to Jesus to make peace with every person who didn't like him, Jesus himself, at the end of his ministry, he would never have been able to pray or worship because he would have constantly had people taking issue with him. So I don't think Jesus felt like he had to go around and rectify every, everything with every person who disagreed with him. So there's the life of Jesus. Here's exhibit B. The, we could talk about the president of the United States, or we could just say people in prominent positions. Think about this. Regardless of who the president is, just by the nature of their position, the moment they open their mouth, there's going to be a segment of the population that disagrees with them. Just, just open in their mouth, there'll be a segment that disagrees with them. It's been that way in the past. It'll be that way in the future. There will always be a segment of the population that disagrees, gets angry, and even takes offense at the president. So here's the question. Does Jesus expect the president to go and try and smooth things over with every single person who disagrees with them? That would be uh, more than a tall order if he did. I would say that would probably be next to impossible to pull off. So there's the life of Jesus, we could talk about people in prominent positions, but here's exhibit C, and this, this applies to every single one of us, Christians. Because Jesus also went on to say in Matthew 10, you'll be hated by everyone because of me, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. Understand, if you follow Jesus, there will be people, there will be someone somewhere who will have something against you for no reason other than the fact that you follow Jesus. So if you got this idea that as a Christian, I'm just going to do my best, I'm going to love everybody and everybody will love me and I'll make everybody happy, ain't going to happen. Just by nature of who you follow, there will be some who completely disagree with you. So are we supposed to go around, if that's true, and apologize to everyone for our beliefs? You know, someone, well, yeah, I heard you believe there's only one way to heaven. Well, yeah, I do. Well, I don't like that. Okay, well, oh, man, I'm, I'm really sorry about that. Maybe I should change that. Well, actually, no, I'm not sorry about that. I actually, I'm sorry you're offended by that, but I stand on the word of God. That's what God's word says, and so I'm sorry you disagree with it. I love you, but this is where I'm going to stand. It's okay, right? It's okay to say that. I don't have to apologize for standing on God's word. Now, I'm going to speak the truth in love, but I don't have to apologize for standing on the truth. So are we responsible for rectifying every issue people have with us? No. If we were, 
we would constantly be walking around on eggshells everywhere we went. And Lord knows that would get expensive pretty quick because them eggshells are not cheap, right? I don't want to be walking around on eggshells my entire life. Okay, so the question was, are we responsible for rectifying every grudge, offense, anger, and disagreement others have with us? The answer is no. So this leads us to the next question. If I'm not responsible for rectifying every issue others have with me, then here's the question. When are we responsible for going and being reconciled? If I'm not responsible for everything, when are the times that I am responsible for going and being reconciled? And to answer that, let's look back at the passage again. And this time, I want to show it to you in the amplified uh, translation of the Bible, because sometimes it can help bring understanding. So here's the Amplified. You'll see it there. If you're presenting your offering at the altar, and while there, remember that your brother has something, and then it says in parentheses, such as a grievance or legitimate complaint against you. So I think it's important to, this brings a little bit of understanding. If somebody has something against you, such as a grievance or legitimate complaint. Okay, then leave your offering at the altar and go. So we could say we're responsible for going and being reconciled when someone has a legitimate complaint against us. And I think we could say it's legitimate when the issue someone has against us is owing to a sin or error on our part. It's legitimate when someone has something against us that's owing to a sin or error on our part. So you had a long day at work. Come home and you just take your anger out on the family. Okay, that, that, that's on me. I'm going to go and be reconciled. Maybe, you know, the, the way we handled a, a coworker, or the way we responded to a coworker wasn't necessarily in a graceful way, wasn't caring. Okay, now I'm going to come back around that. I'm going to go and be reconciled. Maybe there's something that I blame my spouse for, but really it's my issue to own and I haven't. Okay, then I'm gonna come back around that. I'm gonna go and be reconciled. You know what, I, I need to apologize because I was putting that on you and really it's my own issue. Will you forgive me? Now listen, those are kind of some, those are clear cut scenarios where we're at fault. But I will say here that there's kind of a tension here that we have to live with in this passage because not every situation is clear cut and clean. I mean, it'd be great if it was, but as you know, relationships are not always just clean. Sometimes there's, there's some mess involved. And so I don't think we can say that, okay, I, I exactly know it's, the answer is black and white. It's always black and white when I'm supposed to go and be reconciled. There, there is some gray here sometimes. And so I think it, this is why it's important that we're being led by the Spirit because not every situation is going to be black and white. So let me give you an example. A few months back, I sent my sister, my older sister, an Instagram video that poked fun at people who do multi-level marketing as their job. This is what she does. And let me just say, I have no issue with people who do multi-level marketing. Uh, my sister, does a, she does an incredible job with it. And if you have the hustle for it, the personality, I, I've known many people who can do very well. This is my sister. She, she does an incredible job with it. She's a leader. She's very creative. This is her. 
And so I sent her this video on Instagram, just kind of being playful, sent it to her, and it's poking fun at what she does. And I sent some laughing faces with it. And again, in my heart of hearts, I wasn't trying to be mean and hurtful. I really wasn't. I've just found, I've had to tell my family sometimes that I'm working on this, that sometimes the way I express my love to my siblings is just by making fun of them. And, uh, <laughs> and so I'm like, you know, I need to fix that. Like, I need to get better at just like, I can speak kind words to you instead of just kind of knocking on you. And so, you know, that's kind of sometimes that's my way, uh, it's kind of my weird way of just connecting with them sometimes. I see this and so I'm like, oh, I'm gonna send this in a way to kind of, you know, poking fun at her, but it'll be a way of connecting with her today. So I sent it. But the way she responded, uh, she didn't respond in a mean way, but it made it apparent that she wasn't exactly amused with it. But my first thought was, oh, well, she'll, you know, she'll get over it. She can take a joke. She knows I love her. I wasn't trying to be mean. And so for a few days, that was my attitude. And then I showed my wife the video. And let's just say she felt a little bit different than I did. I said, I sent this to my sister and I've, you know, I've been kind of wondering like, is, is this really an issue? And she kind of gave me the answer of like to the, she kind of said like, John, why? Why send this? I'm like, what do you mean why? Cause it's funny. And she goes, yeah, but it's also hurtful to someone who does this as their job. And so I was like, okay. So the longer I let it set, the more I felt the Lord uh, nudging me through my wife Amazing how he does that sometimes. He uses our spouses to speak to us, to reach out to my sister. So I called her and we had a good conversation. Now, listen, she wasn't over, like she wasn't losing sleep about it. She wasn't over there super mad or, you know, in shambles. But it was apparent that what I sent to her was, was somewhat hurtful. And she also kind of expressed to me that, you know, there have been some times in the past where you've done some things similar, where you just kind of, you joke about this and it doesn't always feel the greatest because this is what I do. I said, you know what, that's, that's legit. And so I, I need to apologize for that. I'm so sorry, will you forgive me? And I'm, again, I'm not gonna make another joke about it because it really, I don't, I, don't want, I don't want it to be hurtful to you. So I use that example to say, and, and we're good after that, but I use that example to say, did I sin against my sister? I wouldn't call it that. But even though I saw it as funny, she took it as hurtful. And so that's an example of where it wasn't necessarily clear cut. And again, it points us back to the importance of being led by the Holy Spirit because sometimes we will be unaware of the fact that maybe something we have said or done has been hurtful to someone. And again, spouses, I will say wives, this is where we husbands really need your help because you know what? Sometimes we just do things that's like, oh, I said it. And they're like, well, that was hurtful. Really? I didn't know that. And so I, it's like, man, I need my wife to let me know sometimes. You know, it's like the husband who went to his therapist and said, you know, my wife won't talk to me and I'm not sure why. And the therapist said, well, you know, when did it start? He said, well, the other day she asked me what the female equivalent to a man cave would be. And I told her, well, that'd be the kitchen. And what's the big deal with that? Right? Sometimes us guys, as things come out of our mouth and it's like, wait a minute, hold up. You got, our wives got to come back and say, no, no, you can't say that. That, you know, that just doesn't fly. Right? That's, that's, that's hurtful. So wives, us husbands, we, we need you. It just doesn't click sometimes. Help us know. So I want you to know there's a caveat to this message. Yes, 
We shouldn't let prayer be a substitute for reconciliation, but we should use prayer as a way of searching out whether we need to check in with someone. And I think that check-in is kind of, that's a good phrase to keep in mind because there might be times where you're spending your time with the Lord and you kind of have a little check and go, you know what, I, maybe I need to check in with this person yesterday that I had a, you know, I had a, I talked with yesterday. I need to just go back around and just check in and say, you know what, I, I want to come back to you and just double check. You know, when I said this yesterday, I really, I, I didn't mean anything by it, but I want to make sure that, that you didn't take this the wrong way or that was this, was what I said damaging to your heart because that was not my intent. And if it was, I want to apologize. You know, that's just, I'm just going to be sensitive and I'm going to, I'm going to check in and see if I need to do anything there. So prayer, not a substitute for reconciliation, but it is a part of the process. We use it as a way of searching out, okay, whether we need to go and do, any, do something. But when the Holy Spirit reveals something, you don't got to sit there and pray anymore. You go and you do it. So that's the question that this last question was, when are we responsible for going and being reconciled? And here's the answer. The clear cut answer is when the issue someone has against us is owing to a sin or error on our part. That's kind of the clear cut answer. But again, keep in mind, every situation is not always clear cut. There's going to be times where it's like, eh, but I'm going to, you're going to go and say, you know what, I'm, this is why it comes back to being led by the Holy Spirit. Speak to me. Is this, is this something I need to go back in and, and check in about? Now, here's the last question. Question number four, how do we go and be reconciled to others? How do we go and be reconciled to others? So if I know I need to go, how do I do it? And I think the answer is threefold. I'll just give you three simple steps. Step one, we just kind of talked about it, is you gotta be sensitive. Be sensitive. If you're gonna do this, you have to stay sensitive to the Holy Spirit's voice in your life. So it might be helpful to ask the Holy Spirit, the question, is there anyone in my life that I need to go and make peace with? Is there anyone in my life that I need to go and make peace with? That might be a good question just to ask daily as you sit with the Lord. So you be sensitive. Step two is be prompt. In other words, if the Holy Spirit brings someone to mind, puts someone on your heart, don't schedule a time to meet with them next year. Okay, it says go and be reconciled, go. We talked about living with a go mentality last week. And you know what, this is who we are. When the Holy Spirit speaks, I don't have to sit around and wait. I go, go and be reconciled. So be prompt, do it now. In fact, Jesus went on to say in the very next verse, when after he was talking about being reconciled, he said, settle matters quickly. Settle matters quickly with your adversary who's taking you to court. Do it while you're still together on the way or your adversary may hand you over to the judge and the judge may hand you over to the officer and you may be thrown into prison. So why is it important to settle matters quickly? Because you know what, the longer they sit, the more damage that can be done. You know, you've heard the saying before, time heals all wounds. I think that's true in some cases, but I don't think that's true in every case. Like just... Imagine if someone like stabbed you right in the side with a huge sword. And I was like, oh, no, 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 listen, just, you know, pull the sword out and just give it some time. It'll heal up on its own. Time heals all wounds. You'd be like, no, 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 no. I got to go see someone, right? Time does not always heal all wounds. In fact, in some cases, time can make wounds worse. 
So if the Holy Spirit reveals someone to you or puts someone on your heart, be prompt about it and go. I'm going to go and be reconciled. I'm not going to wait any longer. I'm going to go and make peace. So be sensitive, be prompt. And here's kind of the third step. Be realistic. Meaning understand that when Jesus says go and be reconciled, he means that we are to pursue reconciliation. I want you to hear me saying, you know, Jesus isn't saying you have to go and make it happen. If you didn't make it happen, you failed. He's saying go and pursue reconciliation. Because you know what? Reconciliation requires two people. It requires two people. And so I think we need to be realistic about the fact that as we go and pursue reconciliation, that it might not always happen. Praise God if it does. But I have to be realistic about the fact that it might not always happen. In fact, the Lord reminded me of a scripture in 2 Corinthians this week about reconciliation. It says, all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. Now, if there's any, you know, kind of like question about whether reconciliation matters to God, just look at that passage right there. He said the word reconcile, reconciliation four different times. But here's what I want you to understand. God didn't have a need to be reconciled with us because he's never been in the wrong. He's perfect. In fact, we are the ones who are in the wrong with God because of our sin. But yet, God in his great love for us, he is the one, even though we were in the wrong, he's the one who initiated reconciliation with us through Jesus Christ. And you know what? The Bible says that some people will reject his offer of reconciliation. So with that in mind, if there are people who will reject God's offer of reconciliation, do you think there will be times when there might be people who reject your offer? I think we could say that there is potential that that could happen at times. And so we have to be realistic about that. Sometimes we want to make peace, but the other party wants to stay at war. That's just how it is. This is why we need to live by what Paul says in Romans. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Meaning, as far as it depends on you, do what's in your power to do and let the chips fall where they may. So be sensitive, be prompt, but also be realistic and don't put it on yourself that if this thing doesn't, if, if reconciliation doesn't happen, that somehow it's God blames you for it. Your job is just to pursue reconciliation and do what as far as it depends on you to live at peace with everyone. Now, as we close, we're going to close by taking communion together this morning. So if you have your elements, you can grab those. And I think as we talk about going and being reconciled today, it's a great reminder that as we come around the communion table together, that again, we were in the wrong with God, yet 
He pursued reconciliation with us by making a way for us to be right with him through Jesus Christ. And when we remember what he has done for us, it should challenge us, inspire us, it should move us to go and initiate reconciliation with the people that maybe we've wronged. It's always helpful to remember how much we've been forgiven. When we forget that, our heart can get hard towards people. But when we come back and remember what Christ has done for us, it moves us to do the same for others. And as I was thinking about this this week, there's a, there's a passage in 1 Corinthians where the Apostle Paul says, is not the cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks a participation in the blood of Christ? And is not the bread that we break a participation in the body of Christ? Because there is one loaf, we who are many are one body, for we all share the one loaf. So I want you to understand Paul's saying that when we come around the communion table and we partake of communion together, we are demonstrating our unity together as believers, as followers of Jesus. We are united as one another with Christ as the head. We are the body. And if, we're, and if this is a picture of us being unified together, then again, it speaks to the idea that there ought not be division broken relationships. These, these things ought not be, and we should do whatever we can to pursue reconciliation with our brother or sister. So let's, let's partake together. You can peel back that first layer, pull out the bread. And it says in 1 Corinthians, the Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed, he took bread and when he had given thanks why don't you just thank Jesus again for his body that was broken for you? He broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's partake together. And then it says, in the same way after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me, remembering what he has accomplished for us at the cross. He made reconciliation possible. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until, he's come, until he comes. Let's partake. Church, if you would, I want to ask you to stand as we close. And you know, as we just talked for the last few minutes here, we answered several questions. We walked through several questions. And I want to leave you with one last question today as we close our time together. 
And here's the question, and I want you to let this be a question that you ask the Holy Spirit right now. And so this is just between you and the Lord. I want you to ask the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, is there anyone in my life that I need to go and be reconciled with? Holy Spirit, is there anyone in my life that I need to go and be reconciled with? Holy Spirit, I ask you to speak to the hearts and minds of your people. Speak to me, Holy Spirit, if there's anyone in my life who I need to be reconciled with. And so, Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the reminder that even when we were in the wrong, you initiated reconciliation with us, Lord. And so I pray that we would be people who have the same heart, who say, you know what? God initiated reconciliation with me. And so I'm gonna be someone who initiates reconciliation with others. And so, Lord, I pray that as you're bringing people's minds, or people's names to our minds and our hearts. I pray that there would just be a responsiveness amongst your people, Lord, that we would be a people who, when we hear from you, there's no making excuses. There's no pushing it aside. It's we go and we pursue reconciliation. Lord, I pray that as we do that, I pray that there would be stories where there have been walls in relationship, walls of hostility that have stood for years, Lord. And I pray that there would be stories as your people go in obedience to your command, that those walls that have stood in relationships for, uh, even if it's been a long time, Lord, that that wall would be broken down through reconciliation and it would pay, there would be a path paved forward for that relationship to continue to grow and be restored to even more than it may have been before, Lord. I ask for that. And so Lord, I pray you'd pour out your blessing on your people as they walk, as we walk in obedience to your command, Lord. I thank you for your word to us today and we're gonna give you all the praise and it's in Jesus' name we pray and everybody said, Amen. Come on, church. Give the Lord a hand for what he does. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for how you speak to our hearts. Church, it's so great to see you. Make sure you get out there and enjoy that sunshine today. If you need prayer for anything, come on down front. We'll have a prayer team. We'd love to pray with you. And I look forward to seeing you back next week. Northwoods Online, also great to have you joining us. Always great to have you tuning in. And if you need prayer for anything, we have a prayer team there as well. Have a great week. Now, wasn't that an awesome message that Pastor John just taught about when to stop praying and when we need to go and be reconciled with our brothers and sisters? And as you're reflecting on what John just taught this week, I just want to invite you just to be praying, Lord, is there somebody that I need to go and be reconciled to? And then take the steps to, to go and do that. Um, and I just want to 
transition a little bit and remind you guys about the four steps classes. And we talked about that earlier, but the four steps are an awesome resource that our church has to just equip some people who are are ready to go and start volunteering or go be on teams. And it's just, it's a really, really awesome resource. And I want to invite you to check that out. Absolutely. And you know, you heard kind of the big reveal. I don't know if we made that big of a deal about it, but after Easter, we are starting a very cool series called You Asked For It. And John talked about today that we're actually taking questions from you and, and things that you want to know about the Bible, about Christianity, about faith. So be sure that you take the time Mm -hmm. to text the number on your screen with the questions that you have. We're going to be compiling all of those over the next few weeks, and then we're going to vote on our top ones, and John is going to teach on the top five most asked and voted for questions. So it's going to be really interesting. Mm -hmm. I know it's a little far away, but it makes me excited for Easter and what's coming Mm -hmm. afterwards. So be sure that you do that sometime this week. Again, that number's on your screen. Write it down if you need to, and we will see See you back here next Sunday for week number two of our series, When to Stop Praying.